This podcast is brought to you by Aetna. Learn how Aetna is working to build a healthier world by visiting aetnastory.com. Hi, this is Doro. Just a quick reminder before we get to our guest today that the Achieving Optimal Health Conference is on Saturday, October 3rd. Due to the pandemic, this year, the conference will be held virtually, and all are welcome to join. You'll be inspired by luminaries in health and wellness and take home real strategies to improve your happiness and wellness. You can get all the information you need at AchievingOptimalHealthConference.com. And now for the show. People are yearning for information. Having the opportunity to encourage people and to educate people and inspire people. It's amazing to be able to say we'll carve out time to take care of ourselves. There's something for everyone. Chef Spike Mendelson is an internationally acclaimed chef, author, food policy advocate, and restaurateur, including Good Stuff Eatery and his most recent plant burger. You do it all. And our first question is, how did one person become all these things? (laughs) Great question. I don't think it was ever intended that way. You know, the thing about me is I like to stay very creative and I like to have a a ton of projects going on. So uh, keeping busy is kind of a necessity just for my livelihood. And that's kind of how it came to be. But listen, it also takes a lot of really great partners and support from family, friends, and my wife and kid. And they're the ones that really allow me the freedom to be so creative and to take on so much. So without that type of support, I really wouldn't be anything. And I also act on my intuitions and inspiration a lot. That is kind of what has served me well throughout my life, that I've kind of been a person just to go with the wind and wherever it takes you. And uh, knowing along that path that there'll be some hiccups, you know, there'll be some missteps along the way, but those are all just valuable lessons leading you to the next place. And I'm a kind of a creature of habit as well. As we talk a little bit about my career, you'll see that, you know, I have these things I'm fascinated in that are reoccurring in my life. And, you know, one example would be is like, first of all, I come from Montreal. A big, major, big Greek family that's in the restaurant business, really embedded in the restaurant scene. Uh, My grandfather had some famous restaurants. He passed away, but my uncle still run all these restaurants in Montreal. And, you know, I grew up in a fine dining restaurant called Le Trois Rouge. My uh, family owns a deli out there called Schwartz's Deli. It's one of the most famous delis in the world, if you will. You know, I just grew up around food my entire life, really. You know, always thrown into the dish pit or as a busboy at a young age and getting to be exposed to the crazy industry that now is my life was something that was just natural for me. Just kind of got involved in the industry at a young age. And in fact, I had dreams of becoming a movie producer when I was young. I wanted to go for the sexy stuff, you know, like being a producer or director and making films and documenting things. And my main curiosity in life was an inspiration comes from travel. I love traveling. I traveled all over the world, exotic places, remote places, third world countries. And that's kind of what drives my passion for food and everything else I I do. If I I get to travel, I'm kind of in. So you've been on quite a few television shows. Can you tell us about where you've been and what's your favorite one and what that is like? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, you know, before television, you know, I was chasing Michelin stars wanted to be a, um, a Michelin star chef. I had worked for um, really, really big chefs around the world. Gerard Boyer in the north of France, Thomas Keller, the Mascioni family, the late serial just passed away. So condolences to his family. You know, I was uh, inspired by the Jacques Pez of the world and Daniel Belouz, and I really wanted to have this hoity-toity career in fine dining. 
you know, I was working at the time for Drew Nipperant in New York City and plateaued a little bit of my career, being that I went in at such a young age that the business kind of takes a toll on you. How old were you when you started? It's hard to say, but all I could ever remember is walking around in kitchens. So I say I was a professional dishwasher at 12 years old and, you know, <laughs> and you knew how to mop the kitchen and clean the grease traps and all that kind of stuff. And later on, slowly but surely, between 12 to 18, I started getting involved cooking. I didn't know I had this natural ability to cook. I guess my parents and my mother knows best, right? She knew that I had this natural ability uh, just because I grew up in the industry. And it was so common to me that I didn't think it was anything really spectacular. You know, okay, I know how to make a holiday. Like, would be, you know, it was just like I didn't have that pride behind it. And then around 18, 19, my grandfather passed away from cancer, and my parents had to go spend about six to seven months with him for the remaining days of his life. I was handed over the fine dining Spanish restaurant that my parents were running at the time. And I was 18, and I was asked to get on the line and run the show and run the business. You know, my parents came back about a year later and they saw the restaurant running really well. The food was on point. They kind of scored a deal with me. They're like, stick around another year and, and we'll send me culinary school. You know, I brokered that deal. I was kind of a little bit of a lost soul. I didn't know what direction I wanted to go in, in life, really. And, you know, I stuck around another year and they held their end of the promise and they sent me to the best culinary school, the Culinary Institute of America. Very fortunate. I'd have to say it was when I finally started going to classes at the Culinary Institute is where the light bulb went off for me in my life, where I was in these beginning classes, everyone in the classroom was learning how to make a stock, learning how to make the mother sauces and cutting a potato and knife skills. And like, these are things I had grown up doing for years. So all of a sudden I was like, wait, what? I went from an average student to an A student, if you will, in the culinary school. And that's kind of where the light bulb went off. And I was like, people are from all around the world are attending the school to learn these things. And I, I just jumped into it. And then from there on, you know, uh, I had a lot, you know, good little career training with some great chefs. And my sister was a fan of Top Chef. Actually, she was a fan of Project Runway and Top Chef came right after it back in the day <laughs> on, on Bravo. So she would do a double header. And the first season, I would get nonstop texts from her. You have to do this show. This is built for you. And I wasn't at taking it too serious because I was on this trajectory of three Michelin stars. It's not going to go waste my career on TV. But then I started seeing some friends compete, which gave me a little bit of inspiration that I needed. Paired with that, I was kind of bored and hitting a plateau in my career. And I needed something new to kind of excite me about the business again. So that's how I started the TV world in Top Chef. <laughs> was it just so much fun? Yeah, the first time around was very stressful and fun. I mean, I took a very laid back approach to it. But then, you know, I've been on every show, like you mentioned before. After the floodgates opened, I did Top Chef Reunion, Iron Chef All-Stars. I did all these shows. I got kicked off of every single one of them. <laughs> Never got the win, but I feel like I'm winning in life, so it doesn't matter. But <laughs> I didn't really know what I was getting into until after the fact, right? So I, I didn't know the power of the brand, Top Chef, or the marketing appeal that it would have. But it really set the course for a successful career for me. Maybe not the path I had really planned on, which was three Michelins and all this kind of stuff, but a path that was really complemented with the type of person I am in character, where I like to show face. I like to have fun. I like to be silly. I like to cook good food. I like to travel. And I like to do all these little different opportunities. So it ended up being something that really kind of super launched my career. So what came next? 
After doing the reality shows, I was faced with either staying in New York City and trying to make a name for myself in that big city or moving to a city where there was more of an appetite for young chefs and new chefs to kind of emerge within the community and the, the business. And that's kind of what DC propositioned me with. As a chef, you think in moving from New York City to DC is not like the easiest move in the world, right? You're not like, let's leave this Mecca food city and go to DC. And at the time in 2008, DC had some great restaurants. They had some really great chefs. You had Jose Andreas, Michelle Richard had a restaurant and they were paving the way, Todd Gray, but nothing like now. So it really gave me a little bit of an opportunity to kind of build my name and a career in a city that had no top chefs at the time. Now there's a ton of top chefs in DC, but I was the first. That makes sense. What's your favorite concept or restaurant that you've opened or been involved with? It's usually kind of what's really current at the time. And Plant Burger right now is one of my most exciting concepts ever. It's the culmination of so much experience on trials and error with some of my other concepts and some of my other brands that I've been able to really bring this together and package it really well. Obviously, I have some great partners that are involved in this one as well that are fantastic, being the Goldman family, Seth Goldman from Honesty and Beyond Meat, and their son Jonah and Julie Farkas, his wife. It's great to be in business with like-minded people. And I think the one thing that stands out really for Plant Burger is our mission on what we're trying to do. And we're trying to democratize plant-based food. We're trying to give healthier options for people that are still very indulgent, not sacrificing the flavor or the deliciousness of the food, or even really the eating habits that we all have. And what I mean by that is we're just a delicious burger joint. At the end of the day, that's how I define Plant Burger. We're a delicious burger joint, just like any other. We happen to be 100% plant-based, through and through, no soy, kosher approved, and that feels really great. And as far as our advocacy piece of it, we've been able to really leverage the idea of climate change and the effects that it's having on our planet. And being that we're a 100% vegan restaurant, our food system really contributes to a lot of the climate change crisis that we have and the production of it, these big industries. So if we're able to change that through serving you something delicious, I think that's a win-win for us. So, you know, people that feel good about spending their money, they feel good because it's going to be something delicious, tasty, it's within their eating habits, but they're also contributing positive to the planet when they spend money at Plant Burger. To develop an animal protein burger compared to a Plant Burger, we use 98% less water. We use 97% less land. There's all these metrics that we can measure it to that really lessen the environmental footprint. You know, a delicious restaurant, really cool, trendy brand with a great awareness of climate change and food policy involved is kind of a dream come true. So the burger that you're using is Beyond Burger? Yeah. So the burger we're using is a Beyond Meat burger. We actually use the new product that just came out at the end of last year, which was the Beyond Meat. I don't want to say the crumbles because they sell that in the frozen, but it's just basically ground meat, all plant-based. And we form our own patties, and that's kind of the product that we use. And what's the ingredients in the burger? It's basically a pea isolate. So it's made out of pea protein. That's the majority of it. It's mixed in with potato, beets. That's where the color comes from, pomegranates, coconut oil to get the mouthfeel and to get that fat to emulsify. Zero sodium, a lot less cholesterol. In four ounces, you get about 20 grams of protein out of every burger. And do I get it on like a bun and everything? Yeah, we use a potato bun. Our company that we use is Schmidt's 
They're based out of Maryland, so they're local. It's a kosher and Whole Foods approved bun. And it's just a burger. Like, picture any other burger. This is the exact same thing. But with the flavors and with the ingredients that we've managed to be able to use, you can't tell the difference. And that's why I think people really love it because the magic behind the plant burger is that it sears and cooks exactly like a burger. So you get a nice texture on it. You get that Maillard reaction, nice texture. At Plant Burger, we add a little bit of an onion schmear on top of the burger to give it a little bit more of a mouthfeel and body to the burger. Then we use a potato starch, follow your heart cheese that is was really melty and it melts beautifully and it glistens and it drips all over the burger. And then we toast buns with plant-based butter. And that's all it takes. You have a delicious condiments. We have a, a plant sauce that's emulsified out of vegan mayonnaise. I never thought I'd be talking like this. If you asked me five years ago, <laughs> if these are some of the things I would have in my repertoire and I would talk about, I'd say never. This would be never. But that's the beauty of the plant-based movement right now. The ingredients available to chefs to use and practice with and get creative with is unmanageable. There are so many products out there that are fantastic. Some aren't quite there, but they're still working on it. But the idea is that imagine being a painter your whole life and painting off of one color palette your entire life. And then all of a sudden someone comes in and like swaps your color palette and there's all these new colors that you've never worked with before in your entire life. It would be pretty exciting, right? And that's kind of the moment that I've been having the last couple of years is that I'm using things that I never thought I would use. And I'm just applying my culinary technique and my experience with flavors to develop it into being something delicious. And that's what I love about it. You know, I think too often the plant-based movement is positioned for the elite because it's expensive and maybe there's not too much education on how to cook it or what to pair it up with. And that's the other part of Plant Burger that's amazing is that we want to have a really affordable check average for you to have a complete meal at the restaurant. We want it to give you energy. We don't want it to sit there and make you feel heavy and we want it to be delicious. We do that by working with all our partners and our purveyors to be able to provide that price point. And that's something that we're really proud of. What is the price point for a burger? It's like any other burger shop. You can leave with a complete meal for 10 to 12 bucks, meaning you can get a burger, fry, and a drink for anywhere for 10 to 12 bucks. And then individual burgers range from under six bucks to seven bucks, depending on what type of burger you get. All very common pricing. That was done intentional because that's the market that we want to go after. Are you a vegan? And if so, how long have you been a vegan? I consider myself a flexitarian. Right now, at this exact moment in time, my diet is very much heavy on vegetables. I feel good. I have a lot of energy and I'm just kind of going with the wind and I'm in it. I still have other restaurants as well as part of the small empire is that serve meat in them. Some are family-ran businesses that I opened up with my family, my parents, and my sister, and I still love a delicious cheese pizza, you know, so I'm mostly flexitarian, but I'm leaning vegan and vegetarian most days, especially because my wife is vegan and my three-and-a-half-year-old eats everything. How did you guys get with your partners? How did this happen? How did your relationship start? Literally by luck, I uh, was on a food policy panel with Seth Goldman, he brought a little cooler of Beyond Meat burgers and put them under my chair right before the panel started. And he leaned over and said, hey, I heard you're the burger guy here in D.C. Here's some vegan burgers. Hopefully you can take them home and test them out and see what you think. 
I give that kind of a little bit of a laugh inside me as any meat chef would. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I immediately texted my wife. I was like, hey, like, you know, I got dinner tonight. You know, I got these Beyond Burgers that I had never heard of. She had heard of them. And I'm going to bring them home and cook them up and see how they do. And we cooked them on the grill that night. And one of those light bulbs went off. It was just like, well, wait a second. And this thing cooks like a burger. It sears. It tastes. So I replied to Seth the next day and said, hey, listen, I think you got something amazing here. Uh, I think Beyond Meat should really think about opening up the first ever fast food vegan burger place. Basically, a vegan McDonald's through and through. Not fast casual, fast food. Taking a step back into time and just really owning up to it. And at the time, he wasn't really prepared. We didn't really know each other too well. So we started this process of working loosely together. And I started developing burger recipes and content for Beyond Meat. And then I launched their sausage in Denver at the Whole Foods. When that product was ready, I got to be part of that launch. And before you know it, Beyond Meat IPO'd and Seth was ready to get back in the startup game. He said, let's do this plant burger. You know, he introduced me to the rest of his family, Jonah Goldman, which had been in, living in Israel, actually, at the time, working on policy. And then, of course, his wife and his partner in business, Julie Farkas. It just came very natural and very easy. And we're having fun. So about four months later, we had the first plant burgers. And where is your first? Is it in Silver Spring at the Whole Foods? Yes. And that's the other part of the business that's really interesting is that Seth had a great partnership with Whole Foods. And he said, hey, why don't we test this product out within the Whole Foods? They'll let us have a kiosk there. They'll let us open up and we can at least put this concept to test and see if it works. I was a little hesitant. I'm not really used to opening up in grocery stores, but that ended up being the best move we've ever done. Not only because there's already that market there and there's not as much of a learning curve for plant-based foods, but also the deal structure was amazing where Whole Foods would build the entire restaurant out for us. We had very low fixed costs to launch this brand new concept. And then after we opened, never did we expect to average the amount of sales that we're averaging right now out of the 100 square footprint that makes up the Whole Foods stores. So the plans for Plant Burger are big. They're very aspirational. We realize to own up to our mission, democratizing plant-based foods and saving the planet, we have to make a big splash national and international. So we just went through our first raise, which was really great, very easy to come by. We just opened our second location in South Capitol, D.C., inside the Whole Foods. We have in the lineup 10 more openings, which are all inside Whole Foods. But it's great to have such great support like a company like Whole Foods and have the experience from the Goldman family as entrepreneurs and it's going well. That's amazing. Can you tell us what you're doing for hospitals during this COVID crisis? Yes, absolutely. Thank you for asking that question. So it's very much within our nature to give back. We're a little lucky in the fact that we haven't closed our restaurants. We've remained open throughout this whole pandemic. We want to be able to give back. And I chair Mayor Bowser's Food Policy Council in D.C. I was on these calls. You know, I was hearing about healthcare workers really not getting time for lunch or working all sorts of crazy hours. And I said, we have to do something. We have to give back. We came out with a BOGO campaign, buy one, give one. Instead of get one, give one, redefining BOGO. The idea was that people could place an order. And when they do that, 
we donate the same meal to a healthcare worker. So we're able to donate 600 meals last week. Wow. You know, we're really proud of that. And they're very appreciative. You know, when you go in to deliver these meals, you can pretty much read what's happening by just looking at them in their eyes. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're at the front lines of this. They're risking their lives and their well-being. And it's the least that we could do as a company to kind of give back and feed people. That's really great. It really is. And a healthier way for them to eat and helping the environment all at the same time. Exactly. Awesome. Is there anything else that you want to talk about that you think our listeners want to hear or need to hear? There's so much stuff happening in the world right now. Let's see. I've been a little bit of a preacher of everything in moderation when it comes to your diet and your food my whole life. Even before I started getting into veganism and eating a lot more vegetables, you know, I think we're all very unique and we have to listen to our bodies and know what works with our own body. We can't just put ourselves in this bucket and pretend that we can eat or act and exercise just like everybody else. We really have to do some self-investigating is what I call it and really know what works for our diet and what doesn't. Through that process, I think you'll be a lot happier and feel a lot better once you figure out what makes you work the best. And that may be a complete vegetarian diet or that may be completely vegan or that may be animal protein only you know uh, there's so many different things that work for different people there so for me i'm always a preacher of balance and finding what's right for you and that's what i love about plant burger is that we're not trying to be the brand only for vegetarians and only for vegans we're trying to be the brand that allows you to have a little bit more of diversity in your diet and not sacrifice deliciousness or the eating habits that you so much love right We're a burger and pizza taco eating nation, along (laughs) many other things, right? But you can pretty much consider those food groups at this point. So for us, if we were able to make the burger delicious, good for you, and good for the environment, I think we had a win. That's kind of what we're doing to approach approach that. And exercise. You got to get out and exercise. Spike, I had a godfather named Spike. How did you get the name Spike? (laughs) Well, depending on what family member you ask, you might get a different answer. I used to have a friend named Rambo, and I think I was very jealous that he had this nickname. Um, <laughs> so I spiked my hair once in the bathroom and walked out, and the name just stuck. So uh, that's the story that makes the most sense. It's a great name. Well, Spike, thanks so much for spending time with us today to talk about plant-based foods and plant burger. We can't wait to go and try it. Absolutely. Thank you, Spike. Thank you for joining us on Health Gig. We loved having you with us. We hope you'll tune in again next week. In the meantime, be sure to like and subscribe to this podcast and follow us on healthgigpod.com. I'm Trisha. And I'm Doro. Be well. <laughs>